The rutted trail wound on. They rode at a canter. The thin man, Cole, hemmed O'Brien in the left, Ray from the right. O'Brien glanced from one of them to the other. Slowly, he loosened his boots in the stirrup. Won't you at least tell me who's paying you to kill me? He asked, addressing his question to Ray. Ray opened his mouth. Maybe he was going to give O'Brien an answer, but more than likely he was going to tell him to shut up. O'Brien didn't especially care one way or the other right then. Answers could come later. Action was all that counted now. Without warning, he threw himself sideways out of the saddle and hit Cole with the force of his body. The pair then went crashing into thin air on the far side of Cole's horse, and then down into the tall, loose grass at the edge of the trail. Cole gave a gurgle as he struck the ground and O'Brien came down on top of him. The riderless horses cantered on for some yards until they finally began to stumble a bit on their trailing reins. Up on his horse, Ray yelled in surprise, hauled in, and tried to turn his mount around. O'Brien, knowing that he had to move fast if he was going to stand any chance at all of overpowering his would-be killers, grabbed Cole by the ears, lifted his head up, and then brought it back down against the ground. Once, twice, three times, four. Ray turned his horse at last and sent it back up the trail as O'Brien twisted around to face him. The burly man was already unlimbering his forty-four. As he brought the Remington army up and Snap aimed, O'Brien grabbed the man beneath him and rolled, putting him on top. A gunshot blasted through the cold early afternoon air, and the thin man twitched in O'Brien's grasp and cried out, then went limp. There was no time to waste. O'Brien ripped the man's colt from leather as he went limp. He threw the fresh corpse aside, rolled again, came up onto his knees, and triggered the weapon. The first shot missed. Ray was twisting his snorting mount around again, and that made him a difficult target to hit. But shooting with any accuracy from back of a prancing horse gave him no advantage. He fired another shot. Dust and dirt flew up in a spray about four feet from O'Brien's position. O'Brien took aim again and fired the dead man's handgun a second time. This time, the bullet hit Ray in the upper chest, and he bellowed out a combination of rage and hurt as he went backwards out of the saddle, all flailing arms and legs. He hit the trail hard and screamed, but he still had his senses about him, and he still had his Army 44 in his hand, and that made him just as dangerous as ever. So O'Brien shot him again, and this time the man jackknifed into a fetal position and then shot his legs straight out before he rolled onto his face and died. O'Brien came up off the grass, breathing hard. He checked Cole's pockets first because he was nearest, but found nothing to indicate exactly what this business was all about except a considerable amount of paper money in a worn billfold. He crossed to Ray, again, the corpse yielding nothing. O'Brien threw the appropriated handgun away and helped himself to his more familiar lightning. He leathered the gun, thonged it tight, then went to catch up the reins of Cole's horse, which wore the only saddle to have a sheathed Winchester buckled under the offside fender. He swung aboard, pointed the animal back the way they'd just come, and set off for town at a gallop. He didn't have much to go on, but what he had worried him sick. From what he'd picked up earlier, he knew that Cole had hired some kind of rig, along with the saddle stock, presumably, so that the dude in the Prince Albert could transport Janet and the kids to some remote spot far outside of town before killing them. He couldn't spare the time to stop by the livery stables and confirm that, though. Instead, 
he sent the horse down along the busy street and in a mad, helter-skelter run, hauling back and bringing the heaving, lathered animal to a hurried, ungainly halt, only when he spied the railroad agent leaning on a broom out front of the Loganville station house, shooting the breeze with a smaller, older man in the off-white apron and sleeve protectors of a storekeeper. His entrance alone drew their attention, which was just as well because he couldn't afford to be all that diplomatic about cutting in just then. With one hand fisted around the saddle horn and the other holding the split reins tight to keep the side-stepping excitable horse under some kind of control, he fixed the men with a hard look and asked if they had any recollection of seeing the dude. The railroad agent eyed him warily, not answering right away. Then he shook his head. Afraid not, mister. He come in on the westbound train this morning, you know? Yes, the storekeeper said. I saw the fella. He had a pretty wife from what I saw of her, and the four 